Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Chuck Marcoulier from Freight Waves join us. Chuck, I would love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience. Sure. So my name is Chuck Marcoulier. I'm the Vice President of Revenue Enablement for Freight Waves. Freight Waves is an interesting space. We are in the, we're sort of like the Bloomberg of the supply chain in that we're a media company as well as a technology company, software as a service company that supports the shippers, carriers, and brokers on anything that moves by ship, road, and rail. So we're sort of like the, the database that says, what does it cost to move anything? Where do you go for business? And the analytics on anything within the supply chain. And I've been with them for just about a year. But as far as enablement, I've been in pre-IPO SaaS and in sales and sales enablement for about 27 years plus. So that's a little bit about my background and, and where I'm working right now. Now, you and I have known each other for a while, and I know that you have focused on building enablement programs really broadly across sales marketing and customer success teams. I'd love to understand what are some of your best practices for tailoring your programs to meet the needs of each of those roles? That's a really interesting question. I've really built a career in pre-IPO SaaS companies uh, over the past 10 years. And as I've been doing revenue enablement programs, meaning working with everything from marketing to demand generation to new logo acquisition and then into CS, I've learned that as I've gone from company to company, no size fits all. And what I have to do when I come into a company is really sit down with senior leadership and sort of figure out how are we, you know, how are we making the cake here? You know, what, what is the program? What is the process? Uh, that we're doing in order to be able to deliver the revenue and the buying experience for the customer. And it always comes down to the buying experience. How are we trying to bring in the customers and what is the experience we're trying to give to the customers in the product and the process that we're trying to do? And then back engineer into the sales process and make sure that we're getting a, a scalable, repeatable process that our sales teams can deliver to. And that's what we're really trying to do with an enablement is how do we put in a program and a process that we can train our people to, and then we can measure against to improve the overall efficiency and effectiveness of our teams and ensure the overall success of the program and the, you know, the people and the company uh, as a whole. And so my best practice is really sitting down and first analyzing, then sitting with my leadership and then putting together sort of a hypothesis of how we can take it to the next level and really understanding what's there first and then bringing in best practices of how do we take that to the next level and, and what should we be measuring and what are the outcomes that we're trying to you know, deliver to and understanding that each role has a different piece to play, but every role is interlinked in order to bring that success for the customer because the customer really doesn't care what each role is as long as they're getting you know, the end outcome that they're looking for. And as long as we're staying focused on you know, what is the customer trying to achieve along that whole life cycle from first look to full impact, it's, 
how do we sit there and, and engineer together to make sure that that's achieved for what the customer's coming to us for? I think that's fantastic. Now, you mentioned this briefly that, you know, kind of when you're starting the creation of a new program, you really sit and analyze the current situation at the onset and try to understand, you know, maybe what are some of the gaps between the current capabilities and the desired capabilities? How can enablement practitioners identify some of these gaps? What are some tips or tricks that you have about how to approach doing that? Well, it's two parts is the first I come in and I, I say, do we do we have a defined process? It's it's funny when I come into a lot of different companies, I find that they really have a very loosely defined process. First of all, is there a documented process at all as far as the sales process? And then are they actually adhering to the sales process? Meaning oftentimes there's something in a playbook or something that's written down for a sales process. And then I like to sit down and what I like to say is my listening tour is I'll sit down with reps and I'll sit down with leaders and I say, so, so how do we do this here? You know, what, what do you do on a, on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, what is the experience that we take a customer through? Show that to me. And I, I love tools to sort of listen to the sales calls themselves. And I, I look and say, okay, so what is actually happening in the street? And then I take my notes and I say, okay, so now that we've seen this thing, what's actually happening? And then we go and say, all right, now that we see what's happening, then I go back to sales ops and say, show me the stats. How are things going along this process? And what's the conversion rates from the steps that we're seeing within Salesforce? So it may sit there and say that, oh, you know, on paper, we've got a seven step sales process for um, from first look from SQL to close one or close loss. But when you look at it in the actual feed on the street, they're actually doing three steps. It's, we do a first meeting, we do this long demo, we throw out a bid, and then we start negotiating whether they're actually gonna go forward and, and go through some sort of legal process before we try to close them. That's not what we're trying to do. And so we have this, this abysmal conversion rate and they wonder why the business is working or it's not working. And we go, okay, so, well, this is what the numbers we're seeing from Salesforce and this is what people are saying is really happening in the street. and well, here's what the paper process that we said we were going to try to do. So how do we sort of get this all working together? And then we sit down and we, we sort of back engineer and say, all right, salespeople, why are we doing this deviating from what the standard we said we wanted to do? And then we, we pull it apart and then start building, you know, best practices back together. And this is what I've been doing from, from one team to the next. And we say, okay, so here's what we needed to do, and then here's what's really happening, and we start pulling the skills and processes together. But one of the things that I found as we re-engineer sales process to the buying experience that the customer is really expecting so that we can have success in what we're trying to sell is looking for that domino rep. So, Shana, are you familiar when I say domino rep, what that concept is? No, I'd love for you to tell me more. So one of the mistakes that I made early on in my enablement career is looking for a process and then saying, okay, with leaders, here's a process, let's roll it out and let's see if the field adapts it. But you can train a process, then say, okay, here's the, here's the slide deck, here's the training, go forth and do great things. And then it goes out, the sales reps try it, but it really doesn't stick. What I found is you've got to find in, in any team, there's one or two reps who really are sort of the heart of that team, who everybody else looks at and says, hmm, is she doing it? Is he doing it? And if they're doing it, 
then are they having any success with it? And if they're having success with it, well, then I got to try it too. And those are your domino reps. Those are the ones who everybody else looks to, to say, is it going to work or is it not going to work? Because if they can do it and if they're doing it, then it really does work. So I found that with my programs that one of the things that I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to get that, that one or two reps that everybody else looks to. And I'm going to bring co-op them early on in my process to have them look at my process and be part of the design process, have them trial it and help me sort of get the rough edges off it before I train and roll it out to anyone else. Because I find that when I train and put the process together and have that domino rep as part of the initial rollout, then it goes so much smoother. I get better feedback from the field and a lot better field adoption when we do roll out the new process. I love that approach to getting reps on board with your programs. How do you go about partnering with other senior leaders, maybe in sales, marketing, customer success, and and maybe even operations to align enablement programs with their priorities? I think you can't please everybody with your enablement programs. And I think one of the things right off the bat, you've got to figure out you know, which master you're going to serve and what you're going to try to achieve right off the bat. You've got to tackle a few programs and tackle them well, and then make sure that you're building the right partners along the way in order to achieve those. So on a quarter by quarter basis, I sit down with my CRO and say, all right, what are the things that you want to move the needle on? And why is this important for us to move the needle on? We can't, can't do everything, but what is the big bet that we have to have? And we announce that together and, and sort of build a consensus committee with the others and make sure that it's aligned with the same big bet that they're trying to make with my marketing partner or my partnership partner or the other senior leaders. And we're aligned on in our QBRs as to what the big bet is. And we sit down and we say, okay, we know what the CRO wants us to do or the CFO wants us to do. And then we back into and say, okay, so this is my project here's where we overlap. Can I get your support and partnership on this? And what do you need from me? And we do a little horse training. If I do, if I work on these things for you, will you help me with these things here? And that goes a long way because everybody understands what each other are trying to do and what support's going to be needed and what resources are going to be needed in order to make sure that each, all of us are successful. And it's not done in a vacuum. I know what my marketing partner is trying to achieve and they know what I'm trying to achieve so that I can make sure that she's successful and she can make sure that I'm successful. But we're all hearing it at the same time from our boss as to what they're trying to move the needle on and we're all working towards that same goal. It's that goal alignment. When the goal alignment is done together, then we stand a chance to achieve it. But when we're each trying to do these things in a vacuum and we're each popcorning each other going, hey, I need your help here or hey, I need your help there, and no one knows what each other are doing, that's when we sort of get into conflict with each other. I, I, I really do like that approach of bringing all of those teams together. Now, to ask a, a slightly different question, you know, since you are building a lot of these learning programs for many of the revenue-facing teams from onboarding to ongoing training and coaching, how do you design the programs to maximize really role effectiveness across the different teams you support? Role effectiveness is it's it's one of those ongoing ever you it's it's you're always trying to chase that that kind of thing and I think it's one of those things where 
you've got to realistically sit down with your leaders and say, okay, what are we trying to tune? And why are we trying to tune that thing? So um, one of the processes that I've adapted from uh, my partners at Winning by Design, I brought an outside group in and I like the what we call reeks. What are the results? What are the efforts? What are the knowledge? And what are the skills? And we sit down and we say, all right, Instead of the lagging metrics of, say, achieving quota, we say, what is a leading metric? What is a leading result that we're trying to do? Say, for example, I've been working with my demand generation group, and we want to increase the SQL to SAL, meaning the qualified leads to the accepted leads conversions. And we say, in order to be able to do that, that's the result that we want to get. So what are the efforts that we have to do in order to do that? And we list a bunch of efforts to do that. And then we say, all right, what's the knowledge that they have to have in order to be able to do that well? And then what are the skills that they have to do in order to be able to do that? So one's the no, and then the other is the, the skill to be able to do. And so we break that down on a couple of things that we want to measure and we want to move forward in their overall ability. And we pick one to two per role and we try to work on that on a quarter by quarter basis with each of my leaders them identifying and, and having again the domino reps help us identify how to do that and that kind of program of documentation and working on that as a whole has helped us get into a better routine of figuring out what are the things that you know not trying to boil the ocean but what are a couple of things that we can work on and build programs around to help everybody improve and feel like they've got a say in it but also have things that we can achieve and have tangible metrics that we can go back to our senior leadership and say, hey, the investment that you're making in an enablement and the investment that you're making in skills and tools is having tangible results on the ultimate outcome that you want to have, which is sales. Absolutely. Now, speaking of kind of tangible benefits, I've, I've seen something that you had shared on LinkedIn around applying sales as a science principles to designing enablement metrics. Can you walk us through that approach? Sales, you know, by its very nature is, you know, both art and science, um, the individual art of the delivery, but there's always the measurements of each stage within your process to say, okay, as I go from stage to stage, what are my conversion rates, you know, as a whole within the team and then as individual, how far off is the individual deviating from each stage within the steps within the process? And we can measure those within the tools that we have, whether it's conversations to appointments booked from appointments to discovery calls, discovery calls to whatever stage it is within the process. And we look at those and we say, okay, so what's as a whole within the team over time, is it is the team getting better? Is the team getting better because the skill is getting better? Or is the team getting, you know, as is the economy getting better? What are the factors that are going into it? And then what are we making as a team, as a leadership team, a bet on as far as our investment within tools or programs to help our reps to be more successful? And who are we applying it to? And then we're listening and coaching within tools such as Gong or Chorus to say, all right, what are we hearing? And then is that improving overall? And are we seeing within numbers? So there's the balance between designing a program, rolling it out, coaching to that, and then measuring the overall effectiveness of that at 
within the systems that we have to say, are we seeing an outcome to it? And then what does that mean? And sometimes we're successful, sometimes we're not successful. And we have to go back to the drawing board uh, and use the science of the data to say, what is this telling us? And then what are we going to do about it? And then adjust. You know, the whole art and science is adjusting to the reality of the numbers and and making sure that we're not waiting too long to make an adjustment. I love that. Last question for you, Chuck. What are some of the core metrics you track to determine success and, and how do those maybe vary by the different various teams that you work with? We have a tendency where we want to sit there and look at the the metrics of quota, you know, because every role that we have within the sales team, we have some sort of end quota goal, which is the lagging metric. But the key metrics on the, the front side are a few key activity metrics. And I found success on making sure that we're looking at quick key weekly metrics, such as when we look at the SDRs, what are the activity metrics and are we seeing enough of the input metrics to give them a chance to hit the output metrics uh, or the lagging metrics on that we measure on a monthly basis? And is there a decent, are they adhering to the conversion rates that we expect to see? And as an early indicator of, is there a chance for them to be successful or are we seeing some gaps in the skills? When we look at the AEs, when we're looking at the new logo sellers, we sit there and we say, or are there enough conversations and enough meetings that they're having in order to have enough um, deals within the funnel? And are they converting at the, at pace, what we expect to see within the team? in order for them to have a chance to be able to hit their quota on a month by month, quarter by quarter basis. And then on an individual basis, are we seeing, you know, what are their numbers telling us? And then diving into their calls to say, are we hearing skill wise? Are they delivering what we expect to hear skill wise? Or do we need to work with this individual person on a coaching basis to deliver their skill back up into the areas that we expect them to be at in order for them to be successful? And then on the CS side, we sit there and we look at, um, are we seeing them having success bringing them in? And then are they having the kind of conversations that we expect in order to be able to get ahead of churn and be able to de- delight and deliver the impact that we, our customers expect? Um, are they touching base? Um, are they, you know, what is the sentiment of the conversations when they do have conversations with our customers? And is that, you know, are they able to retain the current uh, renewals and dollars that we expect? And is that allowing us to, you know, again, looking at the metrics with the individual reps to say, is there a skill gap there? Or are there opportunities for us to put better programs or put better processes in place in order to expand the revenue with our existing customers? I love that. Chuck, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your insights. Oh, my pleasure. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.